So you want to make sure that you are properly diversified because the worst time for you to hit, take a hit to your portfolio is right at retirement or that first few years because that's going to dictate how you're going to live. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome into the Retirement Reality Podcast. I am Ben George alongside Mike Koyanen. He's founder and owner at Principal Preservation Services. Today we're talking about learning through uncommon sense. And what we mean by that is there's some pretty basic common sense strategies in finance that everybody kind of agrees with, but we don't always follow those. So we're going to find out why that is and what we can do about that to kind of help us better our path to retirement. Mike, welcome in. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, Ben. Uh, glad to be back and doing the uh sharing a podcast with you this time. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I enjoyed uh, listening to your conversations with the estate planning attorney the last couple of shows. I thought there was some really good information there. Yeah, a lot of uh, our clients, we sent it out to our our client list, and uh, a lot of them kind of got back to us and said, you know, we need to get onto this. This is good information. We're going to you know move forward and set an appointment with, uh, with Patrick and Eckberg Glamours just to get things started. So you know, we have no direct connection, financial connections to them at all. We Our whole goal with that was just to inform you so you can, you know, protect your state, what you've been working your whole life for. Yeah, so if you missed those, go back to them. They're the previous two shows to this one. You can find them online at principalpreservationservices.com. Also, you'll find uh, the best way to contact Mike there on the website, but you can call him directly at 855-987-8888. And we'll hopefully we'll do some more of that along the way as well, hopefully to benefit uh, you, the listener, as we move along. But today we're talking about learning through uncommon sense. So we're going to run through um, a few different statements here. And you know, on the surface, I think everyone would agree with these. But when you look at the way people actually behave with their money, it seems like some most of the time common sense is actually a bit uncommon. So the first one to, to hop into today, Mike, is buying low and selling high. I think Everyone would agree, yeah, that's exactly the way I want to approach investing. But we often behave differently in practice. Why is that? Yeah, because investors, you know, people who are, have money in the market, they get emotional and they make you know, emotional decisions. Um, and that's unfortunately a, a recipe for disaster, a financial disaster. So and we just go back to the real estate bubble and you're, you're, you're investing in real estate. We saw what that happened and what happened to the housing values at that time. What's the worst time to sell? Back in 2009, 2010, 11, the market was still very low. It was a bad time to be actually selling your homes. Right now, the market is so high, there's a lack of inventory. It's a great time to be selling your home. You know, because, But the problem is you're, you're selling <laughs> high, and you can also be buying high, too, So unless you can find some recessed market somewhere. But when it comes to investing, you, know, you want to do the same thing in, in your retirement. I, I learned this in 11th grade economics class. Uh, I will say this in my seminar is Mr. Carney, my economics teacher in 11th grade, Hibbing, Minnesota. He, that's one thing I did learn economics is you buy low and you sell high. And uh, we want to implement that in your retirement. And fortunately, some people just, they're not getting the guidance. They're trying to wing it and do things themselves. Um, we know of a few people last year during the coronavirus bubble, what happened, and they got emotional and they actually sold their investments and put them into cash when the market was low because they lost a lot of money. And they said, "We, you know, what if it keeps going down? And even though we told them don't do that, they did it anyways, moved it into cash, and then they waited till fall to put the money back in. They missed all that, that those, you know, six months of growth that you know the you know fast growth that they really missed out on and they didn't fully recover and so you definitely need to have some you know some 
professional advice on that, you know, so you don't make any, you know, emotional and rash decisions. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Emotion definitely plays a part in that. And if we could buy low and sell high every time, we wouldn't have to really worry about too much in retirement. But alas, we always make those mistakes. Um, another mistake we make is often paying more in taxes than we have to. I think everybody would just agree, yeah, I want to pay less in taxes. That would be great. But mm-hmm. you know, as much as we believe in the federal government, Mike, right, as, as sufficient as we believe they are and as virtuous as they, we think they are, we still don't want to pay more in taxes than we have to. But why do we end up doing that quite often? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of it has to do with getting the right advice in retirement about, you know, if you have multiple types of accounts, Ben, where you have, you know, IRA monies and you have Roth monies, you have some maybe some non-qualified uh, investments that are not, you know, uh, you know not an IRA or a Roth they don't really know uh, where to take the money. They're just taking it out where they think is best, but that might not be the best tax-wise. So it's so important to look at you know tax situations, where you're at tax-wise, and find out which account is going to benefit you the most to take your withdrawals from. You know, for example, I have a client a few years ago who said, "Hey, I'm I'm, I'm retired. You know, I already knew she's retired, but she's I'm just telling you the the, the folks here. I'm retired. I want to pull out forty to fifty thousand dollars on my Roth account so I can do a kitchen remodel." And I said, let's let's not do that uh, yet. Let's come in and talk about it. Let's show. You know, so I want to show you where's the best place to be pulling the money from. And you know, this individual was retired and had a severance package from the previous year, and um, they had pretty much at a zero percent tax bracket. Husband was on Social Security, but no no uh, really earned income. I said it doesn't make sense to take your your money out of a tax free account because you're at a zero bracket. So we're able to show where to take some money out to, to save money in, in tax. Why, why would you pull money from a tax-free account that's growing tax-free when you could pull some money from an IRA or 401k federally tax-free as well? Mm-hmm. So it's good to get advice where to pull that money from. But also, um, I just did a seminar this week, two of them actually, Tuesday and Wednesday, about Social Security. And what we're also finding is people are – paying more more money in taxes on Social Security by taking it early. The earlier you take it, that means the less money you get, which means the more money you have to supplement from your IRA accounts, which means you're going to pay more money in taxes. So there's a lot of ways to look at it. And of course, each state is different. Minnesota is one of those states that will tax your Social Security, one of the 13 states that will. And so um, sometimes about just relocating for some people who are already spending you know, four or five months in Arizona or or uh, Florida, for example, it might make it might be worthwhile to extend it to six months and a day, and then you you can change your tax status, and that would save you a lot of money as well. So, if you haven't really spent much time looking at tax planning in your overall picture, please uh, make that a priority. You don't want to pay more in taxes than you have to. Yeah. Um, along those same lines, Mike, is expenses. I mean, it, it's kind of I mean, taxes kind of are an expense that. You know, you want to kind of keep down in a way, but with your investments too, there are many vehicles that we hop in that have high fees, and it's mm-hmm. pretty ideal to keep costs low. We all agree that's what we want to do, but why do we always or oftentimes end up in these in, these different investments that have these higher fees? Well, um, I know when you invest, you know, we're all supposed to do our due diligence, but I think there's just a lot of people have a lot of faith in the person they're working with at the time, and and thought they always put their best interest first. Um, I just had somebody came in, a prospect, prospective client that we're working with, and been working. He's been working with an individual for about a dozen years, and thought this guy was 
was putting his best interest first until I showed him all these high cost investments that his advisor had put him in. And, you know, when we look at, you know, class A mutual funds, there's nothing wrong with those. Uh, we don't offer them because those are non-fiduciary investments. But when you look at the load fees that go into those 5%, 5.75%, which means that's the fee you're paying to get into that investment to the, the advisor who sells it. And people just don't know. And they, most people I ask, I said, do you understand how these work? They go, I don't. I, I really don't know. And you pay a big fee to get in. And you know, plus the advisor gets these trailer commissions for keeping you in those investments. And those are something that we don't offer at Principal Wealth Services, which is you know, division of, you know, a sister company of ours that we run our clients' assets, um, you know, retirement assets through for retirement uh, planning. But uh, there's other expensive investments out there. Real estate investment trusts are, are, you know, very expensive, Uh, illiquid accounts for a period of time. Uh, Variable annuities, we don't offer those to our clients either. Those are high fee investments. A lot of times, on a low end, you know, two and a half percent, but we see most of those are three, three and a half percent in fees. Um, even 401ks, a lot of people don't know the, the fees of 401ks. Most people come in here and think they don't pay anything. I said, well, they're, they're, nobody's managing your accounts for free. Um, I think Tony Robbins put a book out here half a dozen years ago talking about 401ks and the fees. And he believes uh, most 401ks are one and a half to 4% in fees that you're paying. You just don't see it because they don't have to list the fees individually. So again, fees make a big difference on what you're going to net. And so the more money you, you're paying fees, the less you're going to keep in your pocket. So it's important to look at that. Yeah, very, very important to do. So if you haven't paid attention or if you need some help doing that, always ask your advisor to assist you in that. Uh, diversification. This is another mm-hmm. one, right? So yeah. <laughs> we all we all know that we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket. I mean, that's an approach in many different aspects of life, but especially in finance, we understand the importance of it, but we don't always do a very good job of being truly diversified in our retirement plan, do we? Exactly. And I, I say that same line all the time is, you know, don't, we all agree we don't put our eggs in one basket and all of our eggs in one basket. And, and most people nod or agree, you know, at my seminars. But then when they come in our office and we do a, you know, analysis of their their retirement plan, how they're doing things today, we're seeing exactly that. We're seeing, you know, 90, 95, 98% of their money all in risk. And we see, you know, maybe they have 15 to 50 grand in the bank and that's their diversification. I'm like, well, they say, well, my advisor says, or my broker says I'm diversified. I go, yeah, you have diversification in the risk bucket, but there's more to that, which we'll talk at our, you know, in our next web, you know, our, our podcast band about, uh, being properly diversified, what that looks like would be the, the one right after this. But you don't want to have all your money in, in risk. It's okay to have risk, but not all your, your money there. You want to have money in the bank, but obviously the banks don't keep up with inflation, right? Uh, so you want to have enough money in that bucket. But also there's other another bucket out there that's guaranteed that without losses. So in retirement, you can't afford these 25 to 40% losses like you took on in 2008-2009, um, you know, that, that real estate bubble. So you want to make sure that you are properly diversified because the worst time for you to hit take a hit to your portfolio is right at retirement or that first few years because that's going to dictate how you're going to live. And when if you lost 25% and you took 5% out, you're down 30%. It's going to take a, a 43% return on that, that 30% loss to get your money back to where it was. And that's a, a tough game to try to play catch up with. So um, definitely 
true diversification. We look at true diversification totally different than a broker-dealer world. Uh, we definitely could uh, help you out and, uh, and understand that, explain that why, why that would be important for you. Yeah, and, and as Mike mentioned, we'll have more on diversification on our next podcast. So if you haven't hit subscribe, do that right now, and you'll, uh, you won't you will miss that next episode. All right, last one on our list of common sense items that sometimes we make very uncommon is market timing. We know that it's virtually impossible. You're probably shaking your head. Yep, it is virtually impossible, but our behavior doesn't always back that up, Mike. We oftentimes still try to time the market, don't we? Oh, we all do, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. You know, I have my own my own investment accounts that I manage myself, and um, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. So I understand how that works, and everybody wants to get out the perfect time. Everybody wants a story to tell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, at the barbecue grill, right? You know, 4th of July, you, you wouldn't believe what I made on this account, right? But nobody wants to be outdone that somebody made invest in the same investment and did better than you. So I get it. You know, that's the whole the, the part of that is – we, we don't know. Uh, what we do know is historically the market is up over time. You know, time spent in the market will be well served for you as opposed to trying to time the market. And who has the time of the day to do all the, the back research? And, and you, you probably have to read you know, 30, 50 articles and really be in tune with those investments. And it all depends on how many holdings you have to try to be able to time that market. And some, again, we look back in history, we had 11-year bull run that ended last, you know, last year during the virus. Well, it was hard not to make money in those 11 years, reality. You choose some Fortune 500 companies, you're going to, you have done pretty well. It wasn't like it, it was rocket science to try to, to make money. But, um, you know, the key is with that, we have clients do that all the time as they're transitioning their accounts from from maybe their their previous broker to our to us now, everybody's wants to get out at the high point, right? But it all works itself out anyways because if you're selling high, you're buying high, or you're, or maybe it's it's down some, you're 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 selling low, and hopefully the market you know stays low, and then you have the opportunity for growth. So don't try to time it. The market's going to come back. I mean, we want to time it, but um, you know we'll let you know when the market's in a good point or not, the good thing is Casey does a great job here in our office informing our clients what sectors of the market are actually have a good outlook and what doesn't. And I think that's how you're going to make your best decisions is actually having some uh, knowledge about what is looking right. And we also send market updates to all of our clients um, like every three to four weeks uh, so you can keep track of you know, what is happening in, in the economy today. You know, there's a lot of unknown out there, and, and that's the big thing. Nobody mm-hmm. expected 2020 to actually have a, a pretty decent year um, after what happened here in February and March last year. Yeah, pretty crazy the way it all turned out. And it's funny you mentioned, like, we all want a story. You only hear those stories, Mike, that are that are positive, right? You never hear the market timing story about how somebody uh, so, uh, bought the very top of something, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't, <laughs> nobody wants to talk about that, um, but you know, if, if, if hopefully that's not your whole portfolio, but maybe that's one or two investments. And we see that when people come in and they're upside down, you know, they bought it at, at a high point. You know, I took a chance and just myself personally last year with Tesla right before it split five ways, oh, wow. you know, I had a five time split and, you know, I was talking with Casey and he's like, that's kind of risky, Mike. And I go, I know, <laughs> I, I just have a gut feeling. He's kind of one of those, I said, I know it's high. It's gone up. So, you know, I, sh- I wish I would have got in in March, uh, but I got in in August and I said, I, I, this is not going to be a long-term hold for me. This is personally um, something I'm going to do. And I got in before it split 
I hung on that for about six months, and it uh, it was almost 100% return on my money. Wow. So, uh, so it was nothing wrong with you know taking some risk. It could have gone the other way. Um, but um, if you do have ones that go the other way, you can offset that, you know, those ca- you know, those capital losses with a capital gain. So you got to match up the long term with a long term. You have a long term loss and a long term gain. You can offset those on the capital gains as well. Yeah. Well, all these things are common sense items. But I think the other part of this, too, is that this is where kind of an advisor can really help you out. Right, Mike? When you're when you know these things, but it's hard to, as a person is doing it on their own to really stick to them. An advisor can really help you right. do that. Yeah, and uh, what we're finding is, you know, most of the clients that we work with are, uh, you know, getting close to retirement or in it already. They don't want to be sitting there. Majority of people do not want to be sitting there and trying to manage their accounts. They want to enjoy life and not have to worry about it. So it's good to have somebody working for them. And we have a vested interest for your accounts to do good because you know we're a, just a flat fee based, and the the bigger we can get your balance, the, the better it is for everybody. So we have an incentive to be looking over your accounts. Very good. Well, let's get a couple of mailbag questions here uh, before we close out this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. First one comes in from Kate. She says, I have a catch-22. I have some Apple stock that I really want to sell because I've made a lot of money over the years, but I'm worried about the tax bill I might create when I sell. To your point, Mike, about capital gains. So what's more important, capturing gains or keeping your taxes low? Well, maybe you can do both. So <laughs> I don't know your financial tax bracket you're in. You know, this you said for many years, so that's long-term capital gains. Anything you had for a year and a day is, is a long-term gain. And it all depends, Kate, what tax bracket you're in. Because if you're in that, um, if you're under that, you know, that 22% tax bracket, you don't have to worry about the long-term capital gains rate because uh, there is no long-term capital gains if you're under that income bracket. You know, if you're over it, it's not going to be outrageous anyways. So um, if you're over that 22 bracket, you're going to pay less money in ca- in the long-term gains than you would at, at a normal tax bracket anyway. So, you know, here's the thing is, are you happy to make money? If you really want to get out of the stock, um, you're a winner and you made money and that you should be proud of that rather than be worrying about uh, if you hold it long enough, maybe you'll lose and, and then you can worry about a loss. But uh, it all depends what the, what tax bracket you're in, Kate. And I think that's great that you you made some money. Of course, we've seen that stock, and that did a four time split last August as well. So, um, but really, since fall, it hasn't done much. We've been I've been watching that stock uh, really since I think October, November. That that stock has pretty been stagnant. Um, but yeah, definitely look at your tax bracket. That's going to be a deciding factor. Uh, you might even have to worry about paying any long-term capital gains on it if you're under that 22% bracket. Good. Hope that helps, Kate. Uh, one more question came in from Alec. He says, our IRAs seem like they haven't made much money for the last two years. Is our broker just not paying attention to our accounts or what? Could be. Um, I mean, it's hard, again, not to have made money the last couple of years. Uh, when we look at last year, the S&P made, um, even with the big dip last year in February, March, the SP made over 18%. So, you know, we had moderate accounts that made anywhere from 12 to 19% last year. So, um, you know, on the principal well side. So, yeah, it's, it, again, it's not, if you haven't been making money, you should definitely have a review to find out what are you invested in and why are those investments not performing? A, they could be some high fee investments. Again, if the fees are high, it's going to be harder to get ahead. So that could be, it could be just in the wrong sectors. Um, sometimes we see these, you know, these funds change over time. So you might be in a, 
you know, a certain mutual fund, but it shows there's a turnover inside the mutual fund, which people are like, I don't understand that. But that just means the money manager of that mutual fund is changing investments constantly. And, and what was really doing well years ago, maybe not doing well today because the investments changed so much. So just because it was a winner for, you know, one, two, three years doesn't mean it's always going to be a winner. So you might have to make some changes. All right, very good. If you ever have a question for Mike, you can always send it in to us. PrincipalPreservationServices.com is the website. There you'll also find plenty of other information that Mike provides. Also, uh, upcoming uh, classes, seminars, webinars, everything that Mike's involved in, all his resources are there online. So we'll get out of here for this episode of Retirement Reality. Mike, we appreciate it. I encourage everyone to hit subscribe. Uh, you'll be on the lookout for that next episode about di uh, diversification and much, much more. So Mike, thanks again. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.